Welcome to Burnt Witties Podcast. Uh, we're a print and online magazine that celebrates South Asian culture and talent. You can find us at burntwitty.com. So please have a look. In this episode, I sit down with Himish Patel and talk to him about representation in TV and film, his experiences, especially from growing up outside of London, and about his essay in the book The Good Immigrant, edited by Nikis Shukla, which is available to buy at Amazon. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're just going to chat and then I'll do the intro and stuff later. Oh. Where I go, oh, this is Himish, kind of, you know. Yeah. Kind of because, like, I'm going to have my podcast voice on and it's proper embarrassing. What's your podcast voice like? <laughs> it's like, you know when you have a phone voice? Yeah. And it's just weird. A lot of people say that I have a really specific phone voice. Oh. My podcast voice is very similar. Cool. It's not that weird. Especially like, okay, so you hear yourself back after a recording and you're just like, what the fuck is that, right? Does that happen to you? Yeah, it happened initially when I started my podcast and I used to just think I'd sound like a pubescent teenager. So it was a bit jarring, but I got used to it in the end. Hmm. I, think it's I, okay. I think I sound really young, really high pitched and super excited. But then it depends on the microphone and the post production on it. Because mm, yeah. the reason I think some Hollywood stars sound so manly on on film is because the sound has been put mm. through a million filters. Yeah. They Whereas actually, actually <laughs> I think all Hollywood actors are children. <laughs> they all have the voice of children. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I actually. I bought my copy of The Good Immigrant. Oh, good. Because I don't actually have one. What? I got given one as an author. Yeah. And I gave that to my mum for her 60th birthday. Oh, that's adorable. And then my sister's got her own copy. So you don't actually own uh, So I need copy. to go out and buy a, a copy. Oh, I'm sure we can just ask for one. I know I could, but I mean, it's not too much, is it? Yeah, true. I think it's like buy a copy. It's a tenner or something like that, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when Nikesh came up to you and was just like, oh, I've got this idea and I want a bunch of essays from people and I've thought of you, did he say there's anything in particular he wanted from you or was he just like... No, it was like, you know, th there's the title. It's called The Good Immigrant, so mm. there's one thing. And number two is just about your experience as a, as a minority uh, ethnic person in the UK. What's your experience, you know? Um, because we've got a whole host of experiences. We've got people who were born here like me grew up here you've got people who, who weren't mm. you know so I think it's just about be, being in Britain today yeah and what that means I'm pretty That's happy awesome. with it yeah no it's a really good essay it's really Thanks. good um it's also very uh, reminiscent of so that you did an interview for Burnt Ruddy issue zero yeah, issue zero where Nikesh in fact interviewed you he did yeah and you you, you <clears> talked <throat> about things like uh EastEnders and you talked about representation as well yeah um which I found then interesting to read your essay and then find mm. some of those similarities of what you were talking about there as well. Yeah. Um, do you find that when someone asks you about the idea of representation in TV and obviously because you were on EastEnders, you have a very like experienced view on it. Do you find that you're, you have the same story to tell or do you feel that there's so much more than just, so I was on EastEnders and I was this character? Do you feel like every time you tell it, there's something new or there's something more? that's now affecting maybe the person you are now? There's definitely something more. I think because it's so, it's such a personal thing. And obviously people are always evolving and changing and yeah. taking on new experiences. And so I think doing this has, has really enlightened me to a lot of different points of view. And, and yeah, I'm still learning. Really. Mm. I'm still exploring my own relationship with it and, and what's right and 
and what what's going to lead to the best outcome. Yeah. So I just I hope that we're moving in the right direction, and I think we are. I think this book is testament to that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're going to get there. I just hope it doesn't take too long. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a thing of hope, isn't it? We, yeah. We, we have. This. And I'm glad to be of the generation that's that's really doing really doing it you know doing mm. stuff like this book and, and getting involved and just not settling and being heard yeah yeah, yeah absolutely uh, because a, a big thing for you as well is uh when you grew up in where was it cambridgeshire in Cra- cambridge cambridge easy for you to Shrebshire. say yeah uh you said that you were quite inclusive in the community though even though you were the only brown family there when yeah. you grew up yeah um so did you find that opening yourself up to things like this essay and with these people and people like Nikesh who openly talks about this kind of stuff and, you know, it's, it's a big part of his life. Did you find that maybe you didn't... Oh, where am I going? I'm with you. Yeah? yeah Do you yeah, know yeah. what I'm trying to say? Does it mean that you didn't... You weren't that brown? Or, like, you didn't have any discri- discrimination or there was no stereotyping and now there is? Or was it always there and now you're open to it? I think it was always there. Okay. I think that was my realisation is that it was always there, but just it wasn't as obvious as it has been. Yeah. Maybe in the past or maybe as it is for people in, in other situations where it's just a lot more, there's a lot more fr- obvious friction between communities, between different ethnicities. Mm. Because the friction isn't really there. Yeah. It's this very subtle kind of, thing where it's maybe just uh, comes from a certain amount of ignorance or we you don't even think about it but yeah. it, it should be addressed because that will that will lead to a better community in the end where we actually do pay attention to someone's background and, so, and where someone comes from and what that means to them as opposed to just you know yeah it's lovely to feel accepted yeah but at the same time you don't want to feel like you're having to conform yeah to be accepted Absolutely. So, yeah, it it did, and I'm still thinking about it now. I'm still kind of going, what does that all mean now in this new context that I've acquired? How do I look back on that and go, what did that all mean? But it was really nice to explore it and, and write a bit about it in the essay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If it's really like, so like I had this thing as well when I was uh, when I was younger. I grew up in Hounslow. Yeah. And um, it's quite a big Indian community. Yeah, pretty big. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I mean it's like the step down from Southall. Southall is pretty much India, and then you go to Hounslow, yeah. and then there's stuff like Harrow and Hayes, but it's all very Indian. Mm. Um, so I had that community around me, but like as I was in my teen years, I was just like, I'm into rock music, Mum. I'm really emo. I don't, I don't like Bollywood anymore. Right. Um, yeah. I've got all these white friends, and you know we don't talk about stuff like this. And yeah, uh, there was this uh, essay that I wrote. Um, which still sticks with me when my mum used to make food and my clothes were in the kitchen, I would get angry because I'd be like, I'd smell oh. of, of, of this food and I don't yeah. want to go to school smelling of this food. Oh, wow. Like, you know, I was really dismissive of like my mum, her culture, everything. Um, and now when I look back at it, especially with like, you know, my magazine is about this. It's yeah. about like, you know, yeah. th- like these kind of experiences because like a lot of people have this. But just looking back, it's just, it's so fascinating to see, like, the reasons why I was like that. Um, the things I said, the things I did, and why it's made me the person I am now. Yeah. And it's really, like, it's kind of, it's almost shocking, in a sense. Because then you, you think, oh, shit, 
you know, the reason I was like that is because I had internalized racism. Yeah, precisely. Like, I had it so bad. Yeah. Um, and it was because of the people around me uh, and the kind of person I, I, I grew up on TV and film. Yeah. And I wanted to be like those people. And who do you see? You know, you see exactly. very that's particular... the thing. If you yeah. see that kind of person, you want to conform to that. And that's obviously what your um, what your peers are conforming to. And, and as anyone does at that age, you want to feel accepted. Mm. And so you're. We all do that when we're younger. We change stuff about ourselves in order to feel accepted. But I think with our situation of having these this dual culture to deal with, you might therefore end up diluting the culture that isn't prevalent yeah to to fit in which is kind of what happened with me but instead of i was never that bothered about fitting in because i i'd never really fit in properly anyway and i think there were other reasons i didn't fit in because i was just a bit nerdy and i was a bit strange yeah um believe it or not (laughs) and uh and i think there so there were other reasons so i i I didn't get rid of it completely. I still kept it. It's just the fact that I had to kind of hold it close to me, kind of keep it in my bedroom, mm. nah, or no keep it at home. Yeah. You know, the, these the, you know these white kids at school don't really care about that side of my identity um, because it it's not relevant to their development right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm sure if I told them about it now, they might be a bit more receptive. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It's a shame. In retrospect, it's a shame. And I I think I kind of go, well, if there's someone 10 years younger than me or 15 years younger than me who's kind of at that stage now and comes from the same background or comes from a different background, where if they come from a background where they've got two cultures to deal with, you don't want them to have to to drown their ethnicity and what that means to them and the culture that comes with that just in order to fit in with English society, whatever we call that, you know. It's very strange that there's this notion of English society when we've been multicultural for about a hundred years yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And why there is still this normality of that doesn't involve anything except white people yeah. and what they do. Yeah, no, know. absolutely. It's it's very strange. And I'm I'm maybe being a bit broad with that because obviously like hip hop's a huge thing. Mm. Um, and that's amazing that that's such a prevalent part of, of culture. But I think there's a lot more than that. You know, I'm going to great. Hip hop's there, cool. What about Pungra? What about you know yeah. what I mean? Why is that still such a niche thing? No, absolutely. Um, and the, like, if you mention Pungra to anyone, they'll just start humming Punjabi MC at you. Yeah, no, that's like, so frustrating. It's really annoying. It's like I mean, because it and now it's, that song is annoying for me. Yes, it's an amazing way. track, but now it's annoying for me. <laughs> like, absolutely, say so, I, I hate it, that song. It, it I'm represents... sorry, but I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> it represents like uh, the most diluted form of. Of my culture mm. and what it and how other people see it, um, and it almost kind of it, it feels a bit like a mockery as well when people do like yeah, hum yeah. it or talk about it. Or like I've been to, I mean, very few times I've been to a club and it's been played, and then everyone just turns to me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just you're just like, <laughs> this is your tune, well, <laughs> but I don't like it. No, and I don't like that you're looking at me because of this song yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, yeah. I, I do wish that a lot more kind of like, not just genres of music, just like loads of elements of like South Asian cultures were more kind of integrated into British culture. Yeah. Absolutely. And it just should be because like, Indians have been part of British culture for centuries. Yeah. Because of the empire. So 
you know, I don't know why it should be marginalised. No. But it is. Um, and maybe that'll change. Maybe it'll change it. I mean... Well, I feel like it's changing. I feel like there's a lot changing in, like, in our generations and the generations below us with the people that they get to see and mm-hmm. the people that they... the voices they get to hear. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, me growing up, the voices I got to hear were uh, from Bollywood or... Mm. I mean, Jesus, that's it. They, they were from Bollywood. I didn't really yeah. have anyone else that I related to, anyone else that looked like me that I could look up to and say, oh, they're really interesting, or mm. what they're saying is really important. I think there's so many people now that are doing it, and they're getting the stage, and they're getting their voices heard. I mean, yeah. it's not, like, a Hollywood stage or anything like that quite yet. Well, for one guy it is. What, are we talking um, about Riz? We're talking about Riz, yeah. Riz and one guy it is. Yeah. But yeah, but still. He's, like... he's been a bit of a trailblazer. Well, not two guys. There's Dev Patel as well. Yeah, true, true. So, I mean, yeah, it's happening. It seems to be one every five years. It yeah. <laughs> seems to be the rule. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, no, it is happening. And I think that's really important because I imagine that, you know, if I'd been of that age and there was someone who was doing that kind of stuff and I saw that and I I would I would be like, cool, I can do that. Yeah. Like that, this, the colour of my skin and where I come from isn't going to hold me back because there is a space for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we went to see Sweatshop Boys the other night yeah. and... Um, I had a moment where I was like, why am I so starstruck? And I was like, well, of course I am. You mm. know, these are great musicians and like a really big actor. And, yeah. And more importantly, this is someone that like looks like me and my brothers and my mm. cousins and like, they're like famous and they're like aspirational. Yeah. And I didn't have that when I was younger. Now people have this mm. and it just made me feel so great. I just felt yeah. really happy about it. No, it's amazing. And, and to be in a packed out kind of club like that, it is happening which is cool, and I just hope that it continues. What concerns me is that you just kind of worry that you're gonna that there are some brick walls in the way in certain areas, you know. Like, what do you mean? Well, in terms of like you know casting, there can be instances where even if the casting director wants a certain actor, the people with the money might not want that actor because right. they don't believe that that actor can can sell tickets or can get bums on seats, etc. So, yeah. you know. They're, they're less willing to take a shot on that and, and I think that's where you where the status quo comes in because then obviously then you're only going to get the same actors going around in a circle because well they can sell tickets so I'll put them in work yeah yeah because then I can make money yeah because of them that's why Tom Cruise and Matt Damon have loads of films well of so. course they do yeah <laughs> I mean you know because that's just it's a business I get it but how is anyone supposed to make a breakthrough you know but I guess every now and then it does happen. That's where you get breakout stars like Dev and, and Riz because, you know, Dev just hit the jackpot well, quite literally with Slumdog Millionaire. <laughs> but I like what he's done, actually, because he's he's done he did that film, but then he's he's been very careful, it seems, with mm. what he's picked. But I'm pretty sure he probably wasn't short of offers. No, I can't imagine but he But he hasn't been all over the place. No. You know what I mean? He's just been doing... Bits and pieces here and there. So he's got this film coming out called Lion, which is meant to be really good. Yeah, and who also it stars Priyanka Bose as well. Oh, the really? I interviewed. Oh, yeah, amazing. she's in it as well. Yeah, and it's got Nicole Kidman. Yeah, yes. and Rooney Mara, I think is in yeah. it. Yeah, so it looks really interesting. Yeah, so I think he's doing some really interesting stuff, and Riz definitely is, and he's he's really just kind of again picked some really good stuff, and 
Yeah, so, like Star Wars. I mean, you're not going to say no, though, are you? No. <laughs> I think before Star Wars, you know what I mean? Like, he, picked, he picked good things. Nightcrawler was... Nightcrawler, yeah. Amazing. He's got a great CV as an actor, mm. you know? I yeah, think absolutely. That, he's, he's kind of gained respect for that. And that's that's why he is where he is. Because he's, he's talented and savvy. And, yeah. You know, and, absolutely. But, you know, absurdly talented. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could rap like he could. <laughs> like he can. <laughs> But have you tried? No, I never will. Okay, but so like <laughs> even at home in your bedroom, have you tried? No. No. No, I can't. I mean, I can rap along to like other stuff yeah. because they've done it already. Okay. I just have to copy them. Yeah. I'm not going to be rapping anytime soon. That's oh, that's a right. that's a shame. I'd love to hear that's, some. <laughs> it's <laughs> really not a, a shame. <laughs> Trust me, not at all. Okay. Yeah. So. I wanted to ask you about future projects and the stuff that you've just done as well. So you just attended a screening for your short film last night. Yeah, I so earlier this year, one of my closest friends, uh, Henry Scriven, he's a writer-director, and his wife, Seep, is uh, the, the producer. They have a production company together called Bloody Rascal Films. And uh, they wanted to make this short film that, that Henry had written called The Fox. Um, and they got a bit of funding from the Owls Court Film Fund and then they raised a bit more on a Kickstarter and we, we did really well with that so we had I think about five grand to play with and yeah so it was a two-hander with me and an actor called Gideon Turner and we shot it at the beginning of May and then it, it premiered about two three weeks ago at the Owls Court Film Festival and then we screened it yesterday at BAFTA last night so that was That's really cool. That's a really quick turnaround, you filmed it in May? Yeah, I mean, it's weird though. I mean, a lot has happened in that time, mm. like in my life, but it is actually generally six months is a short period of time. But I, I mean, with a short, actually, it's probably about right. How long? But how long is it? It's only nine minutes long. Okay. Yeah, it's a short one. I can imagine yeah. editing was most of that time anyway. So, yeah, it's yeah. really well edited. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's a really stylish piece. And it shows me in a different light, which was nice. It was nice to do something where I look different and I'm playing different kind of role. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Um, it's about a thief called the Fox uh, who has been just serial robbing all over London and he stumbles upon a house in which I am and he robs me. Yeah and it goes from there. It's only nine minutes long but okay. it's, uh, it's a nice little piece yeah. That sounds interesting. Yeah. So it's about how your kind of conflict with this guy and yeah. like yeah. How it's kind of resolved? I yeah, don't want to find out too much about it. But yeah, no, it's, it's basically about it. that. Yeah, it's a really, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun and it's really well written, I think, and stylish, and I enjoy doing it. So. Is it is it a comedy piece? Or? It's really dark. Comedy. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like really, like it's not the situation isn't funny. Like, dude's got a gun. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Pointing at me. It was really funny yesterday at the screening. There's a point right at the beginning where he walks in and points the gun at me and says, "Hands up!" And I put my hands up, and one of my friends just started laughing. <laughs> so when I put my hands up, I don't know. I guess it was funny. I don't know why. Great comedic acting. So it's that kind of thing. <laughs> cool. Do you have any like personal projects or plans or anything that you have in the works? Yeah, I mean, uh, with Whatlocks Productions, who uh, produced Damned. The reaction to Damned was really good uh, from Channel 4 when they were, you know, obviously watching it as it was going through post-production and they really liked me, which was quite nice. And so Claire Wally, the producer from, from Whatlocks, she said, we want to develop something with you. So I, I had a little idea that I'd been working on with, with 
uh, my best friend for a, for a while. So we developed that a bit with them and wrote a treatment. Oh, that's, and, um, that's so awesome. we're kind of developing it, I guess, at cool. the moment, which is nice. Nice to be doing that, yeah. That's awesome. Um, and I've got other ideas that I just need to kind of pull my finger out a bit and get on with it, really. Because I remember when I first met you when we did the photo shoot, yeah. I remember you saying to me that you wanted to really get into writing and directing. Yeah. I do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line. Uh, no, I do. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think I just need to get on with it. And what I struggle with with writing is anyone's first draft of anything is unless you're genius is going to be absolute nonsense mm. and so i start writing it but i'm already aware that this is pants <laughs> so i i start writing it and then i'm like this is awful i'm gonna stop now <laughs> oh my god instead of just you know getting on with it and yeah just you know it's fine for it's gonna be pants you know that so just get it out and then and then deal with the failure afterwards <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I think I need to I need to push past that. I think that's my problem, is that I, I'll do something and it's so I'm so bored of draft one whilst I'm writing it. Yeah. You know. I think I think maybe I need to be a maybe just have a bit more self confidence. I think I think maybe there's people who have massive egos who can write something and just think, oh, I'm amazing, I'm a genius. <laughs> But then also, then when they read it back, they'll go, this was nonsense. But at least for that period of time, whilst they're writing it, they think it's amazing. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I'm already second-guessing myself and going, you're not, and this is terrible. <laughs> so just stop. That's not good. It's not, is it? No. But that's what I, that's what I do. <laughs> that's what happens. So you just got an email that your awesome order is due for delivery. Oh, amazing. Awesome. It's my Stranger Things Christmas cards that I'm selling. Oh, nice. How, what a timely promotion email Woo! just turned up on your laptop and we can now promote yes stranger things I didn't, christmas cards i didn't send it to myself it came automatically it, I, yeah no that was from someone else yeah you must you. have known that we're recording what's my favorite food Mum's food. Oh my god, yes. Obviously. That's the perfect answer. But what's your favourite mum's food? Uh, she does an amazing bao bhaji. And um, what we call bindanu shak, which is just okra. Oh, nice. Yeah, is that. Everything she makes is amazing. I know. And I guess I say that because I grew up on it and therefore that's my taste. But... She is a she is a good cook. Like no one can beat anyone like your own mother's cooking. Yeah, I think it's just primal, probably, isn't it? Yeah. But no, she's great. Okay. Yeah. What's I, your favorite TV show? My favorite TV show ever, or just uh, at the moment? Yeah. Let's do, oh, let's do your top three at the moment. Oh, top three at the moment. Yeah. Oh my word. <laughs> the thing is, I start TV shows and then you know I kind of forget about them. There's so much TV yeah, now. Yeah, there is. On different platforms. Like, where do you... I, I really enjoyed The Night Of. I genuinely enjoyed it. That was I thought amazing. it was a really good piece of TV. Yeah. And I thought Riz was fantastic, as he usually is. You know? Absolutely. But it was the fact that his accent was just flawless. Right? Yeah. Because, you know, you have people, obviously, who don't know him, maybe, or don't, haven't seen his previous work, or maybe have only seen him in Nightcrawler. 
and so then assume that he's American. Yeah. And so they're not like listening out maybe for a flaw in his accent. But I, you know, it's not like I was obviously listening to it going, <laughs> "Go on, get it wrong." <laughs> but I was obviously, you know, I'm like, "Well, he's British, but I mean, he nailed it in Nightcrawler, so he's probably going to nail it again in this." But with this, he it, he had to get that New York thing as well. Yeah, exactly. But he just nailed it. I couldn't, I could, there was at no point did I go, I can hear Riz. Couldn't, yeah. No, absolutely. I went to see Doctor Strange the other day. Yeah. Better than it come back to, have you seen it? Dodgy. That accent is so I like bad. It. I like him, but, but I don't know, there was something about that film as well that was a bit... Oh, the film was just rubbish. The, the... Why has it got 8 out of 10 on IMDb? I don't understand how it's got 8. Know. It's got know. 8 out of 10 I, it's, it's, it's the stars that are in it. I mean, Mads Mikkelsen was wasted. I know, they film. did nothing with him. That was just pointless. But it was just beautiful to look at. That's all it was. It wasn't, though. I didn't think it was. I was The only reason I didn't see it was because I was hoping it would be beautiful to look at because I thought, oh, they're doing all this mind-bendy, yeah. you know, uh, universe stuff. Which is a technical term yeah, for it, definitely. and uh, and even then, I just don't know. I did, I couldn't get a handle on it. I couldn't get a handle on. They wouldn't hold a shot long enough. I think that's the real problem with me with some action films. They don't hold a shot long enough. Mm. You know, they, they, it's just so fast cutting, and I'm like, I yeah. can't. I don't know where I am right now, especially when <laughs> I'm in this mind bendy thing. You've got to hold a shot. You know, no, that's a good that's point. That's why I thought in, uh, Inception is one of my favourite films, and I think the visuals in that are so amazing. But I mean. I think when it comes to filmmaking, Christopher Nolan is an incredible filmmaker because he's got he's got the aesthetic of like you know a massive blockbuster filmmaker, but the art that he applies to it is 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 so grounded in cinema as a kind of art form that is simply about the camera and what's in front of it as opposed to the camera, and then we'll do some digital trickery. Yeah. And when he does use it, it's very classy. So no, I, I wish that they'd do that a bit more. Whereas I think with a film like Doctor Strange, I guess part of the universe that it is, it was just very much about the CGI and mm-hmm. look at all the CGI we can do. I just didn't care. I, I think didn't that was care. my problem. I just didn't. I definitely didn't care. That's all it was. But I mean, this comes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, execs picking actors because they need bums on seats. Because I can see why a film like Doctor Strange is a risk for Marvel. And obviously then they want to kind of offset that risk by having one of the biggest film stars in the world as their lead. I mean, I mean Tilda Swindon's character, where, where it was kind of just like, you know, you're, you're paying the ancient one. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not an ancient white woman. Because, I mean, spoiler alert, she then turns out to be a, a bit of a flawed ancient one. Mm. Um... But also, it moved really quickly, Doctor Strange. <laughs> I love how we segued like how really you are. <laughs> tangential thing with Doctor Strange here. But like, it was there was like this whole. It could have been. It could have been so good. Do you know what I mean? Like there was this amazing moment where she like stops time because she knows she's about to die, oh, and yeah. she just wants to hold on to it yeah. for a moment longer. But even that just felt really quick. Like they slowed time down, and that felt too fast. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I just walked away from it feeling a bit meh which again is a really technical they use that in sight and sound they do they do it's very meh meh what else have you seen recently what else have I seen I haven't seen enough I saw a really lovely film called Little Little Children Little Men BFG the BFG (laughs) I saw no it was a film with Greg Kinnear and it was really a really beautiful film 
What you can't see now is he is going on IMDb. I'm going on IMDb to check what what on earth this film is that he was in. Little Men. Oh, okay. Little Men. Actual film. Okay. Greg Kinnear and um, other people. I can't remember who else is in this film. I could have just checked when I was on IMDb. Anyway, that was a really nice film about. um, It's almost about like class disparity in New York. So it's about. this family who own the building uh, and own this shop that is run by another family. And they, because of their financial situation, they, their dad dies, I think. And because of their financial situation, they decide to sell the shop. Um, well, no, they, they, they decide to up the rent for the people who are there. But their family friends and it, and it becomes a bit, and the kid, basically the thing is these, the two sons of the families become the best of friends. Ah. And it's about, how the disparity between the older generation is going to tear apart this beautiful friendship that gets created. But the two fantastic young actors in that film, I can't remember their names, which is terrible. But no, they're really good. So that was that was a really nice film. Um, That's a big thing now as, as well, like really good child actors. Yeah, like There's I know. so many now, which is quite... Yeah. Like we were just saying Stranger Things. Yeah, I mean, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to look up these kids' names. <laughs> I know one. I know. I know Millie Bobby Brown Millie Bobby because Brown. her name is Bobby Brown, and I just can't stop laughing. Yeah, at that. exactly. Um, she's amazing. She's British. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw her in an interview. But like, even like, have you seen the Get Down? That TV show. That's oh, on I Netflix. tell you Yes. Yeah, so I saw the first two episodes of that, and um, it wasn't what I was expecting. Mm. It was alright, but I mean, it's been two months since I saw the first two episodes, and I haven't carried on. You should carry on. Is it good? Did oh, you? I love it. Okay. I love the get down. And the main guy, is his name Justice Smith in real life? I think it's Justice Smith. I'm, I have no idea. Well, in the first 10 minutes, he does this like, he meets his kind of girlfriend and they have a bit of a moment and he starts crying. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the ugliest cry to that. Really? Yeah, I connected with it so deeply that I did such an ugly cry. Yeah, it was, yeah, that was, I think his character was probably the most interesting one. And I really liked that whole thing about learning to mix and that, you know, finding mm. finding the point on the, you know, I, that, that was interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's really good. I love that show. Okay, I'll, I'll carry on watching that. Yeah, I definitely do. Otherwise, I've started watching Luke Cage. Uh quite enjoying that mm. have you seen my Luke Cage Christmas cards have you got Luke Cage Christmas cards <laughs> wow they're really cool thank you that's one of his catchphrases so are they works. available to purchase <laughs> <laughs> yes they are they are they're at the printers at the moment okay but they're going to be available they're to going purchase. to be available to purchase yeah Luke Cage Christmas cards Ooh. this wasn't actually a planned advert to mentioned <laughs> Luke Cage and here we are but um well, the thing I, is, I saw that. I, I seem to watch like the first few episodes of something and then drop it because I really? get busy. But I, well, one of my friends works for Netflix, mm. so he invited me to the. He invited me. He invited me to like before. He's invited me to a couple of screenings for things that you know. The that he invited me to a screening of one of the new Black Mirror episodes. Okay. And that was just a little thing in a hotel, and we went. And he, then a week later, he kind of he went. Oh, I've got. There's. A, do you want to come to the, uh, the premiere of The Crown? I went, yeah, just thinking it would be like the same deal, like this tiny little... And he said, it's at the Odeon Leicester Square. I went, oh, that's a pretty big venue, but all right. 
And then, like, you, you pick up the tickets from the hotel across the road. And I, like, got to Leicester Square, and I'm like, this is a full-on premiere. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I went to the screening of that. And I kind of went in like, ah, oh, it's about it. So it's basically about Queen Elizabeth, right? It's a story of Queen yeah. Elizabeth. And I just kind of went in and I was like, oh, I'm not going to care. I'm not a royalist, you know, and I think uh, I get a bit tired of people's obsession with the royals. Yeah. And in this day and age of, you know, we need to make more diverse stories, like a TV series about the royal family, really. But I was really, I was kind of blown away by it. Oh, know? really? It was just really well-made TV. Like, it was just like, like, not even TV, like, super cinematic. Like, oh. Netflix have put a lot of money into this. And it was actually, like, quite engaging, just as a story, I thought. Maybe I'll, ca- I'll carry on watching that. Mm. Or not. Get Down. Get or The way. Get Down, yeah. yeah. I mean, it might be it might be cinematic and pretty, but, you know. I guess for me, a... it's literally just to kind of go, well, you know, it's a history lesson, I guess, to a certain extent. Uh, hmm. Otherwise, I don't know what else I've been watching. Um, that was my emergency question, and then, what was it? What shows are you watching? Yeah, yeah. that was it. <laughs> we went off on Doctor Strange. Wow, and then we really went off on one there, yeah. didn't we? And you got really angry about Doctor Strange. <laughs> I don't know, I was just a bit annoyed with it. No, I get what you mean. I don't know that many people that walked away from it saying it was great. I know a lot of people that were just like, it had something missing, or mm. it just wasn't good enough, so yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, and, you know, just like the shots of him arriving in Nepal and once again the crowd of brown people are just extras. Yeah, and they're all like, I mean, yeah, he's tall and... (laughs) Yeah, but they're tiny. (laughs) They're all like below his shoulder. It's like he was Gulliver. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a bit weird. Um, I'm going to eat a bit more of my muffin. Okay. Oh, but I do want to know, what's your favourite film of all time? You must have one. Because mine is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Because my taste is always changing. Like, I mean, if you'd asked me that six years ago, I would have been like, Inception, The yeah. Dark Knight. I feel like I'm yet to watch the gr- the best film I've ever seen. I think if we all are, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, I guess I suppose I can't watch every film you ever. Can't, you can't escape this question by saying that. You have to I don't know, one. I'm trying to think of something. I mean, another filmmaker that I fell in love with was uh, Richard Linklater. Mm. We were talking about the other day, weren't we? Yeah. And his before trilogy, if I, I mean, I, I, if I could pick all three of them and make that one film, yeah, you can. We'll I'd say that because it just, it really took me by surprise, because I really, I, I, until quite recently, I wasn't an old romantic. I wasn't much of a romantic kind of guy, and, um, and so, but three years ago, the, the third one in the trilogy came out, and. I'm a BFI member, so I, I get the little um, booklet every month. And I remember I got it, and it was like there was a preview screening of Before Midnight. And I went, you know, what? I've been meaning to watch some Before Sunrise and Before Sunset, so I'm going to book myself a ticket for Before Midnight, and then I'll have to watch. Yeah. Obviously, I left it to the last minute. Obviously. Yeah. So then I just downloaded legally the first two, and watched those in a day. Oh wow! And and then watched before midnight that that evening at the BFI, and I was just gobsmacked. Yeah, it was just the fact like I'd never seen a film like this where literally it's just two people talking for the whole thing, and I could not take my eyes away from it. And it was it was romantic, but in a really interesting way. Yeah, in the, probably the most truthful way I've ever seen. 
think it's the, they're the most truthful romantic films I've ever seen. Like they're they're really astounding, and I think that I think what he's done as well, like what Richard Linklater does, has done with the, these two projects, with Boyhood and with the Before trilogy, is that passing of time and how he documents that is is fascinating. And the thing is, I've only I've never seen any of the Before films individually in yeah. a day. I've only seen them all in a day. So I saw them the first time in a day, and then I went to see I went to see them with my sister at the Prince Charles Cinema in Leicester Square, where they screen all three in a night. So they just work so well as a, uh, I've kind of seen them as one film, yeah. you know, one long film. And without it, it's not, it's, I don't feel like it's ever pretentious. No. Like they, they touch upon things like, you know, politics and, and philosophy. These people are so believable. You know, they're so funny. Even the arguments are so funny. Like in the last film, there's this point where they're having a massive argument at the end. They have this chat about how she says something about, um, Sylvia Plath putting her head in a toaster. She's going off on one about that, and at some point he's just like, it was an oven. She put her head in an oven. You can't put your head in a toaster. But it's so funny, do you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, these people are so funny, and I think it's, it, the essence of it is so human. Yeah. It's probably the most exposing interview I've done. Really? How uh, weird I actually am. No, how kind of interesting and open you are to talk yeah. about things. Yeah, because, like, what's the point in presenting this weird persona to people. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day about it actually and we were like, you know what, I think to be to be a good actor in my book, you, you have to be as tuned into yourself as you can be and, and be as honest with people as you can be because otherwise and I do I think people mistake honesty though. They mistake honesty for tweeting about everything. Yeah. That's not honesty. Yeah. As far as I can concern that's kind of quite insecure. No yeah. To absolutely. tweet about everything in your life. Like that's just, but I think to present an honest version of yourself to the world, I think is is the least we can do. Surely, I mean, but I think we're all trying to live up to some expectation we have of ourselves. Or oh yeah, we we all like you know. we're all kind of actors in a sense where we portray something, especially online. Definitely. Um, but yeah, to be actual actually honest about the people we are is not that easy. No. And I don't think it really happens that much. Okay. Oh, wow, I've got a lot to edit here. I mean, you don't have to edit it. I think this just could be vaguely entertaining as as a, a ramble. So I'll just post it like this. You could do. I mean, I'm sure someone will listen to it. My mum might. Yeah? yeah. Your mum? Well, might. She might. She might. Yeah. Potentially, so <laughs> probably not. It's a London might. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's that London like, oh, yeah, might come out. Yeah, exactly. See you. Well, I mean, I hope I haven't made too much of a fool of myself. No, um, I, I don't think you did at all. No? Okay, no. good. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm not particularly aware of if I do or not. Unless, oh, it's, no. unless it's obvious, you know, like, you know, like if I fart in public or something, which I've never done. I mean, I wasn't going to say anything. Oh. You did. When? <laughs> oh, no. You didn't even know. I'm not even aware of my own uh, bowel movements. Oh, man. That's the last thing they'll hear. Bowel movements. <laughs>